Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. much willing to 
sympathize with whatever country they needed me to. <laughs> Made sense. Makes sense, uh, absolutely. And it really got you a really good break in the WWE. It got you a tag team championship run, so that was uh, that was awesome. So backtracking and rewinding from that point, uh, you really made your name uh, starting with uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling, right? I mean, you started with, with, with Memphis and you did uh, OVW. Uh, just let us know those days as far as just some really uh, key feuds that you had with people who also have, you know, uh, notable WWE careers. Well, yeah, I started in 1997 in Ohio Valley Wrestling, and that was prior to that being the developmental territory for the WWE. At the time, it was just me and about 20 other guys in a in a warehouse wrestling uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays there, and we actually already had local television uh, before the WWE got involved. And I started uh, – my main, my partner when I started was uh, Nick Densmore that later became WWE Eugene. Mm-hmm. And uh, my notable beginning feuds were with hustler Rip Rogers, who uh, later became a WWE trainer and had wrestled in all the organizations prior to that, who was a great veteran. And then later on, uh, uh, Doug Basham, who uh, became uh, one of the Basham brothers in the WWE and his partner, uh, Danny Basham, who wrestled in OVW as the damage. So those are guys that at the beginning that I really wrestled quite a bit and had uh, some matches that I was proud of. And then later on, really had some some uh, good feuds with guys like John Cena. Uh, he was the prototype at the time. Yep. Rico Constantino and uh, Shelton Benjamin. Really was fortunate to, to wrestle with a lot of guys who uh, – you know, moved on to WWE and really had good careers. Absolutely. Uh, I had the privilege to interview both uh, Doug Basham and uh, Rico. Rico is a dear friend of mine. Um, interviewed him um, about a couple – in 2015 I interviewed him, and since then we became uh, great friends. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just a great person and, and, and also a, a very good talent. So when you mentioned his name, I said, yeah, he's definitely a good person to mention because uh, he definitely is a, is a great talent. So your your time in, in, in OVW led you to uh, a, a WWE career. Uh, when was it that they decided to, uh, you know, pull the trigger, so to speak, and, and who was instrumental in your uh, transition from OVW to WWE? Well, initially, uh, I got signed to a developmental contract in 2000, mm-hmm. and that uh, was a lot. Jim Cornette and Nightmare Danny Davis really, uh, you know, wanting to help me get, you know, signed, kind of get my foot in the door with them. And then later on in 2003, initially, I was uh, brought in, and they were going to bring me up to the main roster, and I was going to team with Stevie Richards and I was going to have Victoria as my uh, girlfriend on the show. And I was debuting against Tommy dreamer and about maybe half an hour before the doors opened that night, they came to me and decided not to debut and not, I wasn't going to wrestle Tommy dreamer. So you can imagine the disappointment of working for six years to get your break. And they said, they took it away from me before I even got out there. And they said, we're going to bring you back next week. We think we might have something better. And later I found out that they wanted to put somebody with La Resistance and Sylvain uh, really went to bat for me and wanted me to be a 
with La Resistance. He was a, him and Renee, both great, talented guys. And uh, me and Sylvan really had gotten along good, and I would really helped him a lot when he was in OVW because he only had about a year of experience before he went to WWE full-time and was a tag team champion. So I kind of was a good fit to work with people that uh, you get along with and respect. Yeah. And Renee was – he was young. He only had a little bit of experience, too. He was, what, 19 when he won the title? Yeah, he – he was 19, but his dad was a promoter right. in Canada his right. whole life. So he yep. actually had been around the business his whole life and started wrestling matches at about 14 years old. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was a young veteran. Yeah, yeah, 19. Yeah, 19. I, remember, I remember the WWE was uh, really made – you know, t- the time to really promote that, like his dad was in the business and he grew up in the business. But yeah, 19 years old as uh, as champ, he still he still holds that uh, that crown as the youngest uh, champion in, in all of WWE. So that's uh, very very interesting there. Yeah, it was. We traveled together, and because of the age difference, I was 29 and he was 19, <laughs> and uh, he couldn't rent a car. There was a lot of things that you can't do, so it was, you know, I had to rent the cars, I had to drive the car, yeah. And there was a lot of things that uh, you can almost be too young to be on the road full time. He had the talent for sure mm-hmm. and the physique, but it just it's hard sometimes to be, you know, 19 years old and thrust into the spotlight, you know, for four or five days a week. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you really, uh, you know, got your footing uh, as a, a sympathizer, like I said at the beginning of uh, of uh, the uh, our discussion tonight, uh, as a as a French sympathizer. So was that the when I said they had something better for you? You said Sylvain was pulling you there. Um, was it just was it a weird transition? Uh, kind of playing that because you never really had that type of character beforehand, did you? And it's just a matter of, you know, playing this French sympathizer that was just a member, you know, became a member of La Resistance. And I remember you you being, when you first came to the WWE and played that gimmick, you kind of came as like a, a cheesy um, uh, fan, uh, baby face, so to speak. And then you turned on someone, was it? Am I, am I getting that correct? Yeah, I came out of the crowd as right. dressed in an Air Force uniform. Yeah, exactly, yep. And the Dudleys uh, let me come in to celebrate with them after they'd run off La Resistance, and then I ended up hitting both of them with an American flag Yeah. and uh, laying them out, and then people didn't even know how to react. They eventually booed, but they thought that, you know, this, I'd been out there all night yeah. from the dark matches and everything, sitting out in the crowd cheering and booing. <laughs> so they really had no idea that at the time that I was – you know, not just, you know, there to watch the event. Yeah, yeah. I remember that night, too. Uh, it was it was really interesting um, because, like you said, just the reaction was like, huh? Like, it was just, it was just kind of, kind of uh, odd to just kind of spectate the crowd's reaction to that. But, it, you know, it ended up getting some really good traction and uh, ended up being a tag team champion. Um, now, how was it being... Uh, the world tag team champion. How was the schedule difference? How was the difference in pay? Like, is, is there really a difference as far as when you become a champ, just uh, as opposed to a non-champ? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you well when you're one of the champions, especially in the tag team. So at the time, we have more teams than what maybe they've had over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So you can only have so many tag team matches at the live events. 
to every live event, you're going to have a tag team title match. So if you're the tag team champions, you're going to be on all the on all the live events, and they find a spot for you on television, and then generally you have matches at the pay-per-views. So the pay-per-views and the live events are really where you make the bulk of your money, as well as being in video games and action figures. Right. Those right. are things that, you know, with, say, a 30- or 40-person roster, you can't have everyone that's on at television every week at all the live events. Right. So yeah. it, it was um, it was definitely a boost as far as your where you're at, as far as on the card, the importance of your matches. Yeah. Um, not to mention just every you know, near fall in a match that could be a championship change that people are more uh, into than they are if it's just, you know, a match that doesn't necessarily have anything on the line other than you like one team and don't like the other. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Now, you know, since the WWE Network uh, has uh, advented a few years now, um, that's really uh, kind of messed up the opportunity for, for pay-per-views because, you know, they really don't get the pay-per-view, um, you know, bonuses anymore. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that just as far as kind of adventing to the network and just, you know, kind of potentially um, interfering with, uh, with pay, with, with different uh, competitors' pay? The pay, they always feel like, you know, they always paid me fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, Never, you never know exactly why you're getting paid for anything. You have a particular contract that you're guaranteed. And then anything that you make over that, you don't really have a breakdown as to why you make what you make. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be nearly impossible because I've gone to events where there was 5,000 people there and got paid more than events where there were 10,000 people there. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know their cost. How much does it cost to rent the building? How much were the tickets? How much was the other talent on the show? At WrestleMania 20, I got, you know, for instance, less money than at some of the others because Rock was on it, Goldberg was on it. I mean, it was it was stone cold. Everybody was on that, so it cost more. So in turn, generally everyone's going to have to make less money for them to have an event like that. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, it it does really matter where you are on the card. So, you know, it is important for every wrestler to kind of aim to be at the top spot. Well, ultimately the people that make the most money are the ones that were obviously the ones that people came to see. Right. I mean, you got, you got you right now, you got your John Cena. And I believe if you took, you know, John Cena and Brock and put them at one mall and put the rest of the roster at another mall, and you had an autograph signing, more people would go to see John Cena and Brock than the rest of them combined. True. Very true. Because they've been on TV for longer. I mean, not that's not counting Undertaker and guys that have been on TV for a long time. But, I mean, ultimately, you, the guys in the positions that they know are drawing the money. Now, they have a better – their contracts or they have a better understanding of why they're making what they're making. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like – you know, you have, they're all superstars, but then there's guys who obviously, you know, sell more merchandise and put more butts in seats. And that's what everyone wants to try to accomplish is be the one that when you put their name on the marquee, that, you know, people are going to buy pay-per-views and people are going to buy tickets. True. 
Absolutely. Great point. So what caused the split of La Resistance? Was it just a creative decision in the back, like we were just going to split you guys up because you, you've ran this course? How did that come about? I mean, we were getting booed out of the building. I mean, we had as much heat or more than anybody in the company the oh, whole yeah. time that we were there. Definitely. It ne- the heat never stopped. We could still be doing it, and we still get booed. They're never going to cheer guys that look the way we did. I mean, all guys in great shape, always keep your hair perfect, waving a foreign flag, yeah. and not particularly doing any particular moves that are super cool. I mean, we specifically don't want to get cheered, so we're always going to let the other guys do the cooler moves, and we're going to cheat. But what happened was is that they had brought in Muhammad Hussan, who wrestled in Ohio Valley as uh, Mark Magnus, a great guy. He's a, from Syracuse, New York, and had him portray an, an Arab um, character. And they wanted his character to get all of the kind of anti-American, the USA chants, and to get that heat. And what would happen was, is because we were more established characters, we would go out and match five and get booed out of the building and then chant USA. And then he would go on semi-main event and the people had already chanted USA for 20 minutes. So it was harder for them to get the reaction that they wanted. So in turn, you know, they could have just moved us to SmackDown, but they decided that it was time for us to kind of get our own singles careers. And that's why we, we never lost our heat. True. It's just that he, they wanted it you know, to go to him and perfectly understandable. If you've, you don't want to have too many characters that are similar and he was new and that he had the potential to get much more heat and a much stronger reaction mm-hmm. with what was going on in the world at that time. That's true. Definitely. So what are you, I mean, so you became the con man. I mean, what was your overall take on that? Well, I mean, it, it didn't, the character itself didn't evolve into the vision that I had with the, the, um, the writer and creative person up there that I had came up with the idea. It was basically going to be a Rick Rude style character, similar to what I had done in Ohio Valley wrestling guy who plays off of his build who, you know, I mean, in OVW, I was always near the top of the card or the top of the card. So it winning and losing was not as important because I was always going to be in a good spot. Uh, I was just always getting airtime. A guy's really into himself, but yet, kind of climbing the ladder. They kind of did the same formula to a better extent, I think, with Dolph Ziggler. Mm, but sense. what happened, I mean, like the very first time that I I built up some good some good heat at the house shows, and then I was still coming out to La Resistance music. And then the first time that I was on television, I was in the gorilla position and they played my music and I didn't even know it was mine. They were like, Hey, that's you. You got to go. And when I heard the music and immediately I was like, Oh no, this music doesn't fit the character that I was, we were thinking that I was wanting to portray. I mean, it really like I wasn't feeling it and kind of turned what could have been, you know, uh, I mean, a Rick root, like, style character at the time I was you know dieted really hard was training real hard was in the best shape of anyone you know in the company rivaling anyone ever in the company and but then that that music and the kind of the way I think people when they heard it and then the, it it kind of 
gave a different perception. You know, I always say that music wasn't exactly time to play the game. Yeah. You know, when you hear Hunter's music, right. you get pumped up. I mean, you you can go lift weights to that music, and you know that he's coming out and means business. Right. But then as when, when to, you're debuting. Yeah, as opposed and, to just look and, at me. Yeah. You're, <laughs> if they don't know what the character is, then you're telling them a little bit about it by the music. True. You know, the ultimate warrior, his music played, and you got this feeling that something's about to happen. Yep. And I think that, you know, just, you know, the music, you know, obviously didn't do the wrestling, but it definitely put me in a mind frame of, oh, no, you know, it, and, and I think it put perception of what that character was going to be before they gave it an opportunity. So the small things like that, that things that don't work compared to things that do work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. I, I just, as a fan for over 30 years, and I've been a journalist for a while, just, just you know, just understanding it, it's, it's entertainment, you know. It's you, you can you can watch a you know wrestling match inside the ring as much as you want, but there, if there's no layers of character development and entertainment, and like you said, just the little nuances. I talk about this all the time on my show. Just the little nuances with if you hear glass shatter, you know it's, it's Steve Austin. If you hear a, a gong, you know it's the Undertaker. You know, if it's just those little nuances that gets people revved up before you get to the ring that matters so much. So I totally agree with you. Um, speaking of that, you really had an opportunity to revive your character um, and just your pro wrestling career as a whole the past few years uh, working in New Japan, and especially NWA, winning uh, multiple uh, world championships in NWA. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's a, absolutely amazing. Congratulations just for a, a revival and just being NWA world champion multiple times. Just describe to the listeners just uh, your experience working for the NWA the past few years. That's been fantastic, to be honest with you. It's, I like sports entertainment as much as just about anybody does, but I grew up watching professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that's what professional wrestling is what the nwa is it's a lot more in ring a lot less um you know uh, backstage vignettes it's more sport than entertainment i mean it's more of an entertaining sport i would say but it's just what i grew up watching and my passion was telling stories in the ring Mm -hmm. and if you have something to say then you say it and directly uh to your opponent or to the crowd but it's it's, there's not particularly a skit, you know, that has nothing to do with your match. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like I said, sports entertainment is fantastic. It's just, I didn't grow up watching it cause it wasn't around whenever I was growing up. It was yeah. professional wrestling. So I think a lot of us have a tendency to fall in love with something and want to continue to do it. So when I got the opportunity to wrestle for the NWA and wasn't soon after that, I won the NWA world championship that immediately went to Japan and wrestling in Japan I, made me wish that I would have started and went straight there because it is, it's a no nonsense, uh, athletic, the crowd really, uh, bonds to solid action, hard hitting, uh, athleticism. And, uh, and the thing is, is they, 80% of the people wouldn't know what I'm saying whenever I, deliver you know a promo anyway so you have to 
go out there and perform in the ring. Yeah. So it just it was fantastic, you know, going over there wrestling again in front of, you know, anywhere from you know six thousand to forty thousand people at the Tokyo Dome. I mean, I got an opportunity to do, you know eight or ten pay per views there and wrestling two tag leagues, and you know culminating really with getting to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome, which oh, is yeah. going on you know, tonight Tomorrow, over there. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, I was just about to mention that you had an opportunity to wrestle on Wrestle Kingdom 8 in 2014. That uh, probably uh, is, I would say, maybe the, the, the zenith of your career, having that opportunity. Yeah, because I was in three WrestleManias, and the first one being a, a tag match at Madison Square Gardens at WrestleMania 20. And I was sharing the ring in a four-way with eight other guys. Right. So the idea of, you know, really having a singles match in you know for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship with Harley Race out there holding up the belt in front of that crowd in you know in 2014 17 years into my career yeah you know it was really my whole time in the WWE and OVW I mean I always was working toward goals I mean really looking ahead so I never really enjoyed any of the moments when I went to a city I went to the gym I went to the arena and I went to the hotel, and that was it. But once I got, you know, 16, 17 years into my career, now I kind of appreciate when I get opportunities to, you know, wrestle at Yokohama Arena or at the Tokyo Dome when there's 15, 20, 40,000 people there and just yeah. take it in and enjoy the moment and not as much looking toward the future of, you know, like I did when when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. And Wrestle Kingdom is, you know, uh New Japan's version of, of WrestleMania, you know, and, and just to have a, a very prominent championship match that is just absolutely amazing. So uh congratulations to you. Last question, you know, almost twenty years in your career, what else you got? What what are your, well, what are your future goals? I'm really, really excited right now. I mean, a couple things. First, this Friday night I have an opportunity to wrestle again for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. And I've been the tag team champion three times with two different partners. So tag team wrestling is something that I've always loved. I mean, I'm an 11-time OVW tag team champion. Yeah, you, it means I lost it a lot of times, but I also <laughs> wrestled a lot of times for it. Yeah. But so we have an opportunity at the NWA World Tag Team Championship against the Heat Seekers uh, this Friday in uh, Ripley, Tennessee for NWA Mid-South. And then... In February, on the 22nd and 23rd, I'm going to be going back to Japan to wrestle for a new company in their second event called Diamond Star Pro Wrestling, which is Diamond Star Wrestling. But Jimmy Suzuki, who formerly one of the well-known wrestling photographers from Japan, is uh, one of the chairmen uh, for that company. So... The idea of getting to go back to Japan, I went there in September in their inaugural event and had a great turnout, and the response was uh, fantastic. I was in the main event, and uh, it was really exciting to, now that I've wrestled for the biggest company in Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now they're mainly working with the Ring of Honor. Now that I've got a chance to wrestle for, you know, this upstart company, Diamond Star Wrestling, it really made me feel good that have that many Japanese wrestling fans come out and support, you know, me in the main event because I got such good 
uh, exposure and good response and respected by, for wrestling for New Japan over there with the NWA. Yeah, absolutely. Where can we find you on social media, Rob? Then you can uh, check me out on Twitter at the Rob Conway, uh, Instagram the Rob Conway, and I use Facebook quite a bit. It's Robert T Conway Jr. and Rob Conway too. I uh, found that everyone wants to be your friend, but not too many people want to be on a fan page, which I understand because I feel like all of the wrestling fans are really just wrestling family to me. After 20 years, yeah. you really start to appreciate everyone that supports you. When you're when you're new and you you know you know it's like oh the wrestling fans almost like they're the bad guy because you got to go out there and and do your role, but the more you do it, the more you appreciate every single one of them. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure, Rob. I really appreciate you taking your time to interview uh, with the show tonight. Man, I appreciate you having me, and I look forward to hopefully talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Rob Conway, for coming on the show tonight, episode 249. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about. The special guest co-host for this week is certainly a friend to the show, a veteran to the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I am ready to talk some wrestling with, you've seen him in Walt Culture, you've seen him in Bleach Report, you've seen him in PW Torch. He is just uh, one of the most controversial list writers in pro wrestling writing history. Ladies and gentlemen, he is none other than Andy Socek. How are you tonight, sir? Chris, doing great. Wow, one of the most controversial. I had no idea. Yes. Controversial and notorious. How about that? Ooh, con- controversy creates cash, does Eric Bischoff. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thus saith Eric Bischoff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, back in our, our BR feature columnist days, man, I remember how uh, uh, you would get slain sometimes with your <laughs> list writing. Yeah, it tends to happen. I, I tend to look on the negative things in, in wrestling and maybe it's life in general. I mean, I love wrestling, but it's the bad stuff that stands out, but I still love it. Well, it's the bad stuff that stands out. Uh, well, you know, it, it's funny because we both have some years uh, of writing in our pockets. And it seems like every time, you know, we we criticize the uh, the product, that's where... The money comes in because that's where the clicks come in. That's where the comments come in. I remember mm-hmm. probably my most controversial piece I've ever written uh, was uh, from Ble- for Bleach Report when I was in FC there. Uh, it was about uh, CM Punk, and I've never uh, I've been very vocal on my show. It'll be five years uh, here come uh, coming up here, and actually three months from today. And I've always been very vocal. I'm not a CM Punk fan, and I wrote uh, <laughs> I wrote uh, a couple of pieces, uh, five wrestlers who are better than CM Punk, and also uh, <laughs> why are people still chanting his name? And that was that was the most heelish uh, piece that I've ever written, according to the the, the fans, and uh, yeah, all types of uh, stuff. I mean, I got all types of tweets, all types of emails. I mean, you know, I was. I was basically next to someone coming and, and stalking my house and raiding. Wow. Was that uh, was that article shortly after he left? Uh, yes, it was. 
Okay. Well, it was probably uh, when he left, uh, what, January 14th? Uh, that's, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Royal Rumble 14, yeah. So, yeah, it was probably the sum- that, that summer. That summer or fall. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah. sure, kind of that peak era of that. Yeah, yeah, it was very exciting. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's, what's the most uh, controversial piece you've written? Oh, man. Um, you know, I want to say it was one of my first ones at uh, at Bleacher Report as well. I wrote one. This was when uh, TNA was in a better spot. I mean, they were seen by like a million people each week. Mm-hmm. And it was just something like, what if WWE bought out TNA? What, like, and if they did an invasion angle, which they never mm-hmm. would have done. But had they done it. Uh, so, I, you know, I kind of just said like, well, guys like R-Truth won't have much of a they won't even really be on the card, even though they were in both TNA and WWE. And somebody, I remember it was one of my first articles. They threatened to shoot me with a shotgun over it. Wow. <laughs> Probably one of my wow. first 10 articles ever. And they were not happy with my thoughts on our truth that night. What, a, what an initiation. <laughs> exactly. It's been a lot better though since then for the most part. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, um, I, I would say so myself as well. I I, I try to stay, you know, more um, I, I, I neutral ish. I mean, I guess, and I write for the Inquisitor and Sports Kita. So uh, I mean, I have the option to write opinion pieces, but they're more they're more news, you know, related journalism, like straight journalism. But you know, I, I write an opinion piece here and there. But um, you know, BR was you know just about all opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's uh so that was a nice trip down memory lane. Uh so let's get to uh let's get to the headlines, ladies and gentlemen. Of course we have every week we got some fun headlines to talk about, so without further ado, here we go. Uh, let's start off with uh not too much of a positive note. Uh, speaking of controversy, um, there's really no controversy with this, but their controversy uh, is, you know, Justin Bieber, and um, there was a musical artist that uh, did a really bad meme. There was another artist that uh, actually did the, the, uh, a YouTube video, uh, a dance called "Do the or Do the Rousey," uh, the Ronda Rousey, and um, yeah, uh, I mean, she's gotten all types of um, Satire with her destruction via uh, Amanda Nunez's fists at UFC 207. So, you know, it took her 13 months uh, before you know she got knocked out by Holly Holm. Uh, my, my biggest criticism with this is that, you know, first of all, you know, there's there's one thing to train, and and, and your boy CM Punk can say the same thing with uh, his destruction by Mickey Gall. There's one thing to train, but there's another thing to actually step inside the octagon and have the the actual fight, you know, happen. And being away from the sport for 13 months, I think it was a very, very bad call uh, for Dana White and the UFC to put her in that number one spot uh, as if she was ready to be the top uh, female bantamweight to go against a red-hot Amanda Nunez. I think that was a very bad idea, and, of course, we saw it 
uh, by U- UFC 207. I predicted Nunez, uh, uh, Nunez just demolishing uh, Rousey, and that's exactly what happened in 48 seconds. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was absolutely rough. Uh, you know, the Holly Holm fight was a very one-sided, and, you know, that went quite a bit longer, even though not long at all. Uh, it's kind of, it, it's a bummer because uh, she was such an exciting talent for a while, and it's now it's like her mystique is, you know, all gone. Of course, there could be, like, yeah. a, a great comeback story to be had, but uh, I got to imagine it's been, uh, it's been a rough week for her, especially for, like, even outside of MMA, you know, like a – possible WWE appearances now less lucrative for her. Yeah, uh, Stephanie was interviewed by TMZ not too long ago and saying that, uh, you know, she she wants Rousey. I don't think that it'll take away from her WWE stock. If anything, I think Uh it may WWE stock because I think if she would have won, we would have seen more UFC fights, but I think there's a better chance similar to what happened to Misha Tate when she lost um, that, you know, we'll She'll probably retire, um, and you know I'm not. I don't. I don't see a, a full time WWE schedule, but I can certainly see uh, a combination between you know doing more movies, uh, doing movies more often, as well as kind of fitting in a WWE part time schedule with that. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's probably her best option at this point, unless she is yeah. actually. Uh, mentally really, really, really wanting to get back in there, but it, uh, it it seems like it's a whole different person now, at least mentally at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when she was talking about suicide, you know, from her oh, first yeah. loss, and yeah, I mean, just imagine, I mean, she got handed, you know, she got her butt handed to her even worse this time, so, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she's in retreat mode, and uh, there's been some commentators uh, criticizing that and not feeling that you know she is leader. She's she's a, a strong enough role model by doing that. I was listening to ESPN Radio and they were, you know, talking about you know that's you know not a really good thing to do to to really just kind of tuck your head between your legs and uh, just kind of uh, bow out disgracefully. Uh, so you know we'll see. We'll see with Rousey, uh, and, and we'll see. Uh, you know she's going to fight again. Speaking of fighting again, Alberto Del Rio fought again. Uh, at a like at a nightclub <laughs> in Austria, and then he fights his own brother into a bloody mess. Uh, nice. uh, is uh, is Doctor Shelby needed for Alberto El Patron? Uh, first of all, that was a great transition you had there, and second of Thank all, you. yes, <laughs> Doctor Shelby. Man, he's just uh, it's just one fight after the next, and then I, I don't know if you were going to bring this up next, but in the whole uh, stabbing incident over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no chances anytime soon of WWE even touching him right now because uh, he's uh, just kind of chaotic and, and, and not really uh, representing himself well to even represent a brand well. Um, <clears throat> you know, Independence will, you know, continue to salivate over him because he's still a big name. But uh, right. I definitely don't see, you know, any uh, television you know, company really doing much with him. I mean, he, he did some work with Lucha. He did some work with Re, uh, Ring of Honor. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess you could say TNA would be interested, but, you know, with their mm-hmm. purchase from Anthem and them, you know, reducing tapings and trying to do the best that they can to actually, um, you know, cut down, uh, I certainly don't mm-hmm. see 
you know, anything dealing with uh, uh, Del Rio anytime soon. I mean, there was the first time he left before his second run when he won the U.S. title, you know, they were talking about, you know, hiring him on immediately after his no-compete calls and, um, uh, you know, immediately, you know, thrusting him to the main event scene and potentially even giving him the title the first day, uh, I think Mm -hmm. like 100K or, you know, you know, 400k or something, something like that. Uh, as far as just the payday, um, uh, so I don't think I don't think that offer still is on the table. <laughs> no, um, I mean at the time it sounded uh, kind of interesting because he had the support of the fans, just kind of just kind of due to how bad his uh, WWE run went. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it started off hot with that win over Cena, and then they never did anything with him. Um, but yeah, at this point, the his perception is it's. I think he would need to not be anywhere for like a year before it would feel like a big deal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, especially with the news of him, you know, being more outside of the ring than anything. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this this certainly is not helping his brand at all. So uh, hopefully, you know, he can be out of the out of the TMZ or out of you know news for for fighting or being arrested and. You know, you know. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, this doesn't happen again, because you know he was dropped of all charges. But you know, next time it might not be as uh, fortunate, and, and <laughs> if you don't get that temper together, it could be uh, it could be curtains for him. Ryback oh, shares absolutely. a shocking, re- yeah, yeah. Um, Ryback shares a shocking revelation that Triple H told him uh, about building new stars. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was the craziest thing. He. He said in his interview, and I wrote this, uh, and I wrote about it on Inquisitor. Uh, he said that Triple H told him that the WWE is no longer invested in building marquee stars. Uh, basically, John Cena was the end of the line when it came to building these marquee stars, and you know, basically, they don't want you know, anyone to transcend the business like the rock and John Cena. Uh, how petty is that? First of all, <laughs> and then number two, you know, why in the world would someone want to clock in WWE every day? If they know basically is all I have and I can't endeavor in anything else. Right. Uh, yeah. What a statement. Um, I do have, <laughs> I don't, I don't know about you. I do have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around Triple H just, like, telling him that in confidence and expecting it to yeah. never get out. Uh, so maybe he said something along those lines. Um, but I, I, you can kind of see it. I mean, um, like you're saying, because yeah. nobody, nobody is that big anymore. Uh, and I think because of uh, Vince McMahon has had his headaches with Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, and maybe he mm. just wants them to be all under his control. Yeah, I mean, you can see that with Cody, um, and you can see that with the Ryback as far as, you know, having yep. some issues of even using the big guy, you know. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, like you said, I mean, you can see it, though. I mean, you can see it with, and I've said this many times. I mean, I, I don't, you know, Kevin Owens is, is an amazing performer. You know, he's I was a, a big fan of his work in the Ring of Honor. I I don't I think something's missing with him, you know. As, as far I don't mm-hmm. think he's a main event guy. I just don't. I mean, 
you know, listeners throw your stones, but I, <laughs> I, I just don't see it. I mean, same thing with Seth Rollins. I just, you know, when I think about uh, the top talent, I think about uh-huh. someone who is just without a doubt a qualifier to be a larger-than-life uh, main eventer of WrestleMania. You know, and if you would main event Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, I think it would be one of the worst WrestleManias of all time just because it doesn't bring that larger-than-life feel. Nothing against them as far as their in-ring work, but I think the I think the creative team is missing that, and it could be because of what Ryback is saying. Their characters is so... Their characters are so lacking right now, especially Seth Rollins. Who is he? Like, what am I, what am I supposed to perceive Seth Rollins as? I mean, I, there's nothing to describe the character of Seth Rollins. I mean, if you describe the Kevin Owens, he's Chris. He, he's Chris Jericho's best friend. I mean, that's that's basically his character. This, you know, Hulk Hogan was a real American. You know. Uh, uh, Steve Austin was uh, a beer drinking SOB. You know, The Rock, you know, was the people's champion. The Undertaker was the dead man. You know, so it was the Triple H was the gay man. You know, and so it's, it's just, you know, the hitman, Bret Hart. And you have characters, you have an identity for me to invest in. When it comes to Seth Rollins, when it comes to Kevin Owens, you know, it's just no characters that are involved for fans to really invest in. And I, and I can uh-huh. see what Ryback is saying right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting that you just said uh, Rollins and Owens main eventing WrestleMania because they just opened up raw this week and like nobody cared. Yeah. It's just like, and it's ridiculous exactly. because if you looked at it like the roster depth, that's the number one heel and the number two baby face on Raw, and it means nothing. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, that that says it. That that hits the nail on the head right there. I totally agree with that. So the Rock. Speaking of the part timers and, and the Rock, uh, the Rock only wants to appear at WrestleMania 33 or poorly to. Promote Fast and Furious 8 with uh, Vin Diesel. He wants Vin Diesel to come. Uh, it's been a report. And um, he doesn't want to be physical. With, uh, Vince wants him to wrestle, but he doesn't. It makes sense because he, you know, he had to get that surgery right after his uh, match with Cena. Um, you know, of course, that's a huge liability, you know, as far as his acting career. And his acting career is much more important than his pro wrestling career at this time. So it makes sense. I, I don't mind. The Rock, you know, just popping in and, and doing a segment with Vin Diesel. I created something when I was writing this piece. I created a, a segment in my head of him basically promoting uh, Fast Eight and with Vin Diesel, and then uh, Brizango, you know, Brizango coming out <laughs> and uh, you know doing the whole fashion police thing, and, and uh-huh. you know, handing him uh, a, a, a ticket. And all of a sudden, you know, he rocked, you know, both of them eat a rock bottom and then him and Vin Diesel celebrate. That was my scenario of, of how his WrestleMania segment can play out. Uh, yeah, as soon as you uh, started talking about rock, I'm like, all right, which uh, 
which mid-carders are they going to beat up? I'm like, social outcasts <laughs> are gone. Uh, white families may be a little bit too big. Right. Um, yeah, remember at one point there was rumors going around that they were trying to set up a match between Vin Diesel and The Rock. Yeah. Uh, they were talking a little trash, or I guess Rock was talking a little trash on Twitter, and that was kind of the speculation. Um, but, yeah, I guess he just shows up and they just beat up a couple of mid-carders. <laughs> like, yeah. I think yeah. they will kind of see through that a bit and not be overly receptive to that. Yeah, I mean, he he did this. He did it to Luke Harper, you know, last year yeah. at Mania. So, uh, you know, I I think at the bot the bottom line is he's not going to be physical, you know, or yeah. very minimally physical. Um, so, you know, I, I guess uh, something to that nature makes sense. So, John Cena calls The Rock a part timer. Uh, in uh, last week's episode of uh, Talking Smack, he said it was the stupidest stuff ever, quote unquote. Uh, so basically, is he now realizing this since he's uh, partly Hollywood? Uh, I guess he doesn't want to come off as a hypocrite, I would say. Um, yeah, I always thought it was a bit foolish of him to say that because he never had those big opportunities. Like if somebody offers you the Scorpion King and you turn it down, you know, then you would have room to talk, but yeah. uh, you know, he's mostly been doing talk shows and stuff like that. So, but I think he's, you know, uh, setting the ground for him to leave full time. I mean, he's certainly uh, appearing less and less these days. Yeah. Jim Ross uh, stated that uh, he doesn't see him uh fighting full-time at all in 2017, and I, I would tend to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so, too. Mm-hmm. So, lastly, we got, for the headlines, uh, DDP being the first entrant reportedly in the 2017 Hall of Fame inducted by Jake the Snake Roberts. I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing both of them on this show, uh, and uh, it, it just really shows that uh, – both of them, you know, had some high remarks to say about each other as far as just helping each other in the business. And, uh, you know, the uh, DDP's induction speech was one of the best in Hall of Fame history. I think it was it was great. He shared some really good stories and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I, you know, I have absolutely no issue with DDP going into the Hall of Fame uh, because, you know, as we see, as we've seen over the past few years, it's not necessarily based on your WWE career a la Freebirds, a la Jacqueline, you know, a la the Godfather in, in, in some sorts. Uh, uh, but, you know, with, you know, with DDP, he had such a fantastic WCW career. You know, of course, really making a name for himself as a manager, uh, you know, for Bad Company uh, in AWA. So he definitely has a storied uh, career lasting, you know, uh, 25 years. I mean, you know, He's been part time. He has he has been wrestling for for you know quite some time now, full time. But you know he he had a pretty lengthy career, and I think uh, just his resume away from WWE alone uh, earns an induction. Oh yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, I had almost blocked out his WWE run uh, as we were talking, and then I <laughs> images of Sarah Undertaker popped into my mind, and it was a bit. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, like out of everyone outside of wrestling, like he's probably like the best feel good story. There's no like 
big controversy surrounded him, and he's, like, changing people's lives, and uh, he just, like, seems like an all-around great guy. I, I think it's actually probably a bit overdue. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think I, I think his speech would be very, very good. Um, <laughs> I, I interviewed him, and it was a great interview. Uh, Mark Madden uh, calls him BD me because he puts him. He feels that he puts himself over too much. Um, you know, the the a shade. I saw a shade of that uh, when I interviewed him, but. Uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoy interviewing uh, DDP, and he's shared a lot of stories, especially, uh, you know, when the Rock People's Champ story that he shared on my on my show, it was it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think he's uh, well-deserved of being uh, in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I interviewed him, too, uh, a couple of years ago for What Culture, and, uh, I mean, he gave me, like, 45 minutes where, you know, I've, I've talked to guys less famous than him who would only give me not even half of that. So he, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, a bit of that was he wanted to plug his yoga program, but I mean, I do own it. So <laughs> I guess it yeah. worked. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have my, my set of uh, DDP yoga DVDs. Um, wow. I am not getting paid for this promotion. So let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's go to the let's get to the raw and smackdown review. Here we go. Thoughts on uh, Raw and SmackDown this week? Oh, first of all, great music choices. I was afraid you were going to use the Nickelback Raw theme. Those were both perfect. <laughs> I actually mixed that myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, that took DJ. me back. Yeah, nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Smack. Uh, well, I guess I'll go back to Raw. Raw was. I think it was pretty good. I mean, I just watched it last night, but the only thing that's really standing out at the moment is Braun Strowman and Sami Zayn. Yeah. Yeah. It it surprised me actually. I was actually surprisingly, uh, I I was pleasantly surprised at the last man standing match between uh, Strowman and Zayn. I think it helped both of them. Of course, Strowman got the win, and he did his little heelish thing afterwards by attacking him. But it really looked, it really made Sami Zayn look good. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him, you know, because he's still kind of in that mid-card purgatory, not knowing what the heck he's going to do. Kind of just there's too many people above him to really get a prominent spot. That's why I really think that a SmackDown row would be so good for Sami Zayn because – you know, you've got Reigns, you've got Rollins now, you've got Goldberg, you know, you've got uh, Balor, you know, so he's the number five or six babyface, you know, at, at the most. 
so mm-hmm. I, I think if he gets if he goes into that SmackDown role, uh, you know, Ambrose just you know won the Intercontinental Championship, so you know there's that there's the need for that number one babyface, which is kind of no one at the time other than Cena, who's not full time. So and then you know you have Ziggler who kind of made a heel turn uh, on SmackDown. So it would certainly be better. You know he he would have a much better chance of moving to SmackDown. Um, of of course on Raw we saw an, another yet another uh, Owens and Rollins match yet another Reigns and Jericho yeah. match. But why do you think they didn't decide to uh, you know do the go ahead on uh, giving Jericho the U.S. Championship? I don't know. I thought that would be a, an easy way out for uh, Reigns to just drop the title because they, they don't want him to get pinned. So I thought that stipulation right. they set up. Um, man, I wish. I mean, I wish they would have because uh, as good as Jericho has been, he loses ninety percent of the time. So yes, I don't. I'm just like not that interested in his matches because he's just so uh, ineffectual, and I've seen him job to uh, Roman and Rollins time and time again. So um, I wish they would have done it. Yes, I agree. Chris Jericho is um he's my fourth all time favorite and he's my number one Ooh. modern day favorite uh the past uh, I don't know, since you know, fifteen years probably, uh as far as WWE is concerned. Um so it's just it it really hurts my heart to see <laughs> Chris Jericho, you know, be so over you know the list uh-huh. is over is more over than ninety five percent of the roster, and yes. Chris Jericho being able to do that, and you know at the end of the day it's just it, it still boils down to typical Chris Jericho he loses. I interviewed Al Snow uh, two weeks ago on my show, and he you know he said something, you know he said he doesn't matter if you win or lose. I I, I as a fan I detest when wrestlers say that because it's easy yeah. for a wrestler to say that because they're the one getting paid, and. And in many in many occasions, they don't have a choice but to listen to what the writing staff is is doing and saying. You know, if you lose, if you're booked to lose, you you know you can't you know you can't inter like uh, interrupt the, the the booking and say, hey, I actually want to win tonight. Can you change that? You know, you you can't you, you really can't do that. You know what I mean? And as a as a fan you're being invested in characters. And if Chris Jericho just loses every, if you're a heel, you're supposed to Uh win a certain amount of matches to build enough steam and build enough heat to eventually put over the baby face. But if Chris Jericho isn't winning the matches to build the steam and the heat to put over the baby face, whoever he loses to doesn't really get over because you're not moving up a notch because you're, beating someone who loses all the time. Yeah, that's interesting that uh, Snow said that, because I know I've uh, heard Jericho himself say that before, but I've always thought that was a big part of the reason why he was never, like, uh, a top, top guy. He always felt like a rung right. below that to me, because he could never beat a Rock or an Austin. If he did, it was in the cheapest, uh, most cowardly way possible. I totally agree. Uh, I totally yeah. agree. And and you get the people who, you know, get criticized for wanting, you know, to win and wanting to be protected, like your Hogan's, mm-hmm. like your Goldberg's, like your Bret Hart's, you know, I mean, you'll, you, 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 the, the, you know, those three 
in many different interviews that you know people have said that they wanted always you know wanted to protect their character and you know those are the people who are some of the best of all time the ones who mm-hmm. rarely lost Hogan rarely lost Austin rarely lost you know Rock uh he lost a few times you know he would put some some people over but at the at the same time you know he certainly won more times than he lost and those are the top people of all time, not the one who loses, you know, ones who loses all the time. You know, Andre the Giant, you know, it took him 15 years, you know, so to speak, you know, to lose a match. So, you know, and that was something that he got uh, rewarded for, you know what I mean? Although his trophy was smaller than Hogan's, but at the same time, you know, he at least he got rewarded for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, like you're saying. I mean, I think I think wins and losses are so important. Like you know, because oh, people, yeah. you know, you base it off a of sport. So when somebody goes on an undefeated streak, you just follow them like Goldberg or the Ultimate Warrior. And then yep. people that lose all the time, like uh, Bo Dallas or MVP, when he was on his losing streak, like you just forget mm-hmm. about him or just you never take him seriously. I totally agree. I mean, seventy-two Dolphins. You know the, the the Patriots. You know I can't stand the Patriots, but when they were undefeated a few <laughs> years ago, <laughs> you know that was a big yeah. deal. Um, you know mm-hmm. uh, the 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 uh, I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeyes fan. We won in two thousand two. We were undefeated, and you know it, it, so they wins and losses matter in every sport. If you if mm-hmm. they didn't matter, you wouldn't go to the playoffs. If wins and losses didn't matter. So, I mean, just as people want that sports to feel, you know, when it comes to pro wrestling, you know, wins and losses matter. Because if you had someone, if you lose all the time, if wins and losses didn't matter and you lost all the time, that would make you a jobber. And people don't mm-hmm. look at jobbers the same way as they look at main eventers. So if you if you want to get as simple as possible, just think of it that way. Do you want to be a jobber? Yeah. No, I, I think that's why nobody feels special right now. It's the it's the fifty fifty era where everybody uh, just trades wins and losses back right. and forth uh yes. forever. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't really elevate a talent. You know, people you know, and it's one of those things that, you know, people really it's 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 down the middle speaking of 50 50 you know you kind of have a 50 50 opinion when it comes to charlotte and and sasha feud uh i wasn't a fan of it i i liked the matches the matches were great i'm glad that it made me even in hell in a cell i'm glad that it made even at raw but at the same time just the constant switching up to championships there was a a grid that they put up uh, I think it was uh, it, it was um, what was bring it to the table. I don't know if you got to see that. Um, uh, I watched the, the uh, yeah, I watched it a little bit last night. Yeah, they put a grid up of uh, the matches that Sasha and Charlotte fought in 2016. They fought uh, seven matches, and each of them was the title change. Uh, they they just basically played hot oh, potato. Wow within seven matches of the entire year. And it started at WrestleMania in April and at Roblox uh, in, in December. So basically a match every month, <laughs> just about, uh, just flipping oh, the, the, the title around. And it's like, I, I can't be sold, I can't be invested into a character because I always say, you know, titles will make people, people make titles. And 
just kind of switching that, tossing that title around, kind of loses its luster a bit. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think uh, if the end game, it seems at this point, is to make Bailey the number one face, like she should be toppling an undefeated Charlotte, not a Charlotte that's lost right. the title three times. Exactly. And, and you can, you know, you can tell that it matters because now, you know, since she lost the title so many times, now they're kind of transitioning to calling her the queen of pay-per-view, you know, and doing this <laughs> right. 15 singles match undefeated streak. And if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be saying that, you know, so, it, mm-hmm. you know, you can, real, you, you can paint as much as you want. If you take it to the core, it does matter. Records and statistics mm-hmm. does, you know, they, they do matter. And I think, you know, they're setting up this, they're doing this queen of pay-per-view undefeated streak they're trying to put something at stake that's of high value uh, than just the switching of the title because the, the title swapped enough in 2016 to kind of diminish the value a bit. But somehow they're thinking this pay-per-view streak will bring some value to it, which it does. I mean, I think that there's some legitimacy to, you know, saying I beat someone who was undefe- who's been undefeated in all her pay-per-views, single matches. Right. So they're trying to bring something at stake. And, you know, I guess we just have to see how they continue to frame that to make people believe the legitimacy of this pay-per-view ending streak and if Bailey can beat it. I think there's some type of interest in that. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I, I The thing is, they're going to do it at Royal Rumble, and I'm sure there's going to be some variation of it uh, at WrestleMania. I just wish yeah. it held off on Bailey versus Charlotte because they've already given it to us three times on uh, free TV. So, um, but yeah, like you kind of like your point. Oh, what's that? Uh, I was going to say, what do you think, Early? Uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, interested to see what you have to say with that. But I was also going to throw at you uh, just an early prediction of who. Uh, what what match will represent the women's uh, raw women's division at WrestleMania? Um, yeah, right now I think I'm leaning towards a triple threat match with mm-hmm. Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey. Um, yeah, and Bailey comes out on top. Well, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think so too. I think there's not really <laughs> many people else. I don't. I, don't, I certainly don't see Nia Jax there. Emelina. Um, uh, you said Melina. Uh, Emelina. Uh, Emelina, <laughs> does Melina come back? <laughs> I don't know about right. <laughs> well, one of those Mickey James NXT, but just for the main roster. Uh, although Mickey James uh, is going to be on SmackDown now, and actually worked for uh, her. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, no, not not Emelina. No way. I don't. I don't see that at all. Um, I, you know, really, Sasha, Charlotte, and Bailey are really the only three that they're really making seem like somebody uh, Nia Jax there's still something not clicking with her I think uh yep. I think she's underdeveloped I think she came out of NXT too soon um I I don't see just a I don't, I don't see a proper development with her uh Alicia Fox you know she she hasn't been relevant <laughs> for 10 years you know and uh you know you have uh you know, they were talking. You know, Liv Morgan appeared uh, on a on a house show. I think she's uh, she's a great talent, but she's certainly under underdeveloped. So, those were really those were the only three that's 
really really mean something in, in, on Raw. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, uh, it's just hard to do a division when you have six people total. You know, it's just yeah. you can't fill matches every week that way. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree with you on uh, Nia Jax. I think she's just missing, like, uh, she just doesn't seem mean enough. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is. She just has, She just lacks intensity. I think the entrance has to go. I, I, the, the music, uh, the 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 st- you know close up to the eyes, and then the panning, yeah, I, just just has to go. I, you know, I'm not like most girls. Like what? <laughs> I don't want what in the world are we talking about here? Like I, just, I, I don't. I, there's nothing about Nia Jax that screams intimidating to me. Not, I mean, her no. in-ring work, she'll throw people around, yes. But as I always say, as, as a traditional wrestling fan, I have to be invested outside of the ring before I'm invested inside of the ring. I have to be invested in your character. I have to be invested in your music. All of those things uh-huh. matter as you're walking into the ring for the wrestling match. And I always say, uh, wrestling is about 70 cents. 70, 70% of what happens outside of the ring and 30% of what happens inside of the ring. If your character's not right, if your if your gear is not right, if your uh, music is not right, I, you know, you've lost a lot of my, uh, a lot of my attention and Nia Jack's gear has, has to go. Her <laughs> entrance has to go. Her entrance music is uh, has to go. Her her yes. promo work is just, uh, yep, uh, yeah. This is what I want to do every time uh, Nia Jax uh, speaks. Delete, delete, <laughs> delete, 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 delete. I want to delete every time she gets on the mic. I gotta get one of those Matt Hardy buttons. Oh yeah, that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Nia Jax is she's got she's got a oh she has to do a, a complete overhaul of her character for me to be invested. Agreed, totally. Yes. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the flavor of the week. We got some. We got a fun topic Ooh. today, so here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. One more more soundbite. This is how I feel when Nia Jax comes to the ring. Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Eli Drake. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, Eli Drake. Absolutely. Uh, so the flavor of the week this week is uh, both uh, Andy and I have compiled a top five uh, in, in Royal Rumble, you know, just to, to prepare for the Royal Rumble and the road to the Royal Rumble in a few weeks. Uh, the, the first Royal Rumble flavor of the week for this year, we're going to talk about the top five worst Royal Rumble winners uh, since the year 2000. So, Andy, who was your number five? My number five, I'm going back to the year 2006, Mr. Ray Mysterio. Why Ray uh, Mysterio? I, I'm going with him because two years earlier, uh, they did the, the entire thing with Benoit where they went uh, first man in, you know, overcomes the odds and uh, makes it to the end. So 
that was not enough time to wait for something like that to happen again. Um, yeah. Also, uh, it, it led to a match at WrestleMania between uh, Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. wasn't a very good match. Uh, led to one of the worst uh, World Heavyweight Championship runs probably in the company's history with Mysterio. Not really fault of his own, but uh, just nothing really good came out of that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think his <laughs> I mean, were there any perks of his title run? <laughs> oh, man. Is, uh, that's, Who did he feud is, with? Is that the one where he took on Great Khali and he just lost to him in like a minute? Oh, my goodness. Was it? Uh, no, because cause Khali won the uh, Battle Royal to, to, win the, mm-hmm. to win the title. Um, who did he lose it to? Uh, but who did, you know, who did Ray lose it to? He lost it to Booker, right? Booker. That sounds right. Yeah, I think he lost it to King Booker. Yeah, yeah, which is one of my favorite uh, variations of Booker T of all time. Um, oh, totally. Huh. So Ray, yeah, Ray Mysterio's championship. That was what um, you said, two thousand six, right? That was WrestleMania. Two thousand six. Yeah. So that was thir- So that was twenty two. Uh, I believe so. And that was the World Heavyweight Championship that he won, right? Not the WWE Championship. Right. Yeah. I think uh, think Cena and Triple H went in the main event. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see that. Okay. So he won and yeah, he won April 2nd of 2006 and he lost to the great, he lost to the Great American Bash um, in July to King Booker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so something yeah. good did come out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 did not. Yeah, yeah. That was the yeah. Wow. So yeah, he did. He really didn't do much of anything with that. Yeah, I don't even um, remember who he feuded with at that time. I mean, I guess maybe maybe it's something else with Orton or or Angle possibly. I don't remember who. Like the the pay per view, the couple pay per views after that in May and June, I don't remember who we who we won against. Um, what was the what was the uh, May pay per view of two thousand six? Was it still uh, backlash? Um, it still backlash? Was it? I would have guessed backlash. I thought they kind of did that away with that rather recently um, as a post mania one, but I, I could definitely be wrong. It is backlash. Yeah, backlash. Uh, Mysterio. Oh, see, backlash was a raw exclusive pay per view, so he didn't uh. even def- defend it in backlash. <laughs> he defended uh, in J- Judgment Day, May the twenty first. Uh, so he had a couple, you know, he had like a month and a half, and he. Oh goodness! Wait a minute. Yeah, he beat JBL. Okay, he beat JBL uh, in Judgment okay. Day, and then he lost a Great American Bash to King Booker. Yeah, wow, so he, he only run. defended it once at a pay per view. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that is pretty bad. Uh, my number five is Stone Cold Steve Austin, two thousand one. How about that? Um, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I thought his third Royal Rumble was a Royal Rumble win was totally unnecessary. Um, I don't think there was anything 
that really came from it. I mean, you know, him, I think WrestleMania 17 is is the greatest uh, pay-per-view of WrestleMania history. Uh, him and The Rock was absolutely amazing. But mm-hmm. he won the pay-per-view, um, and yet he made that heel turn at WrestleMania to win the title, but that ended up flopping. And mm-hmm. I think he snubbed Kane from a, from a Royal Rumble uh, win because he, you know, he had the, all those eliminations that year, and and Austin already won too, and then he eliminated Kane, you know, to win it. And I, I don't, I think it was at he was at the point where he didn't need to win a Royal Rumble. I think Kane yeah. having a Royal Rumble win, he only had the WWE title for a day, so Kane really hasn't had a a, a very you know, uh, accomplished resume as a competitor, you know, for the past 10 years. So I think winning the Royal Rumble would have been a good notch in Kane's belt, but I think he got snubbed by Austin's 2001 one. Interesting. Who who would you have had Kane face that year at Mania then? I would have had, I would have had Kane. Uh, I think Kane and the rock. I mean, I, I liked that. Or uh, if Kane, you know, even if he would have like um, somehow uh, the the next month, you know, been involved and in, kind of like when Orton won, and and he decided to you know use his uh, title shot the next month, you know, against uh-huh. Triple H, and so the the part of me is like, you know, that of course <clears throat> that 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 whole booking of Kane winning. Uh, you know that that would be, be that's an article of itself as far as what could have been done with Kane, but I I would have been okay with you know if Kane uh, he was a he was uh, still a heel at that time no he was a babyface no he was a heel at that time still right <laughs> often I, I wanted uh, to be a heel but man he's changed he's turned so many times it's hard to keep right him, <laughs> him in the big show yeah I think he yeah. was still a heel so I think. He was he was red hot at that time though. Two thousand one, two thousand two was you know really hot years for Kane, um, and so I, I, to be honest with you, if he would have uh, the next month, and you know if somehow he would have got duped by, you know Vince McMahon, if he would have kind of been a corporate guy or just kind of been like a henchman of some sort, and and you know. Somehow Vince McMahon wanted to get out the get the belt off the rock sooner, you know, and uh-huh. uh, you know Kane could have uh, used his title shot at the following pay per view because of Vince wanting to get it off the rock sooner, um, and then you know that it could have happened that way, you know, Kane versus the Rock at Backlash the next year. I mean the next the ah, next sure. month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if, if Kane was ever going to win the Rumble, it probably would have had to been that year because uh, kind of the whole Katie Vick thing. Kind of really saw oh. him another year or two later. Oh, <laughs> I don't think he ever recovered from that one. No, not absolutely not. No. Uh, your number four. Number four, uh, I'm going with the man uh, you briefly mentioned, Randy Orton in 2009. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, this is another more. one that I'm kind of going with what it led to. I think it led to probably one of the top five most boring main events ever with uh, Orton and uh, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, nothing for that angle did it for me. Uh, I, it just, I think we could have avoided all of that had somebody else won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it followed, you know, 
Michaels and Taker, so I think that was the, really the pitfall of, of that booking. Um, yeah, that was what. Yeah, that was yeah. That's Michaels true. and Taker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- number four was uh, Alberto Del Rio, 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah, 40 man battle royal. It was stacked, and it wasn't a lot of people who, um, you know, could have won that year. It came down to him and Santino. Uh, Randy Orton was third, I believe, at that time, and people didn't want Orton to win again because um, yep. he just won, you know, two years prior. So it was like, okay, this is really the last three. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And you know, and, and again, like you said, what it ended up, he lost to Edge, you know, at the yeah. opening match, you know, for the World Heavyweight Championship that year. So he didn't even really main event open the uh, WrestleMania, or at least it was close, close to beginning, almost. I almost think it led open WrestleMania that year. And so, I, I you know, it did, yeah. yeah, I think so. And then he lost to Christian the following month, you know, in the latter match when Edge retired. So it was just a bad call for, for, for them at that time. What's your number three? Uh, well, I, I had Del Rio and then I scratched him up. So I'm glad you covered that ground. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm going back to uh, last year where a 46 year old man won the rumble and he shouldn't have. Mr. Triple H. Ah, thanks. <laughs> um, Who should have won? I, I, oh, uh, I should have put more thought into that <laughs> at the moment. Um, man, I, I would have may, maybe rolled the dice with Anthony Ambrose, although he, well, he quite hasn't yeah. panned out. And yeah. I, I'd have to look at that one, but um, I, I guess yeah. I'm going again with what it all led to. Uh, another bottom three mania match, just a 30 minute snoozer. And uh, just, I don't know, Triple H, uh, that just coming out of hibernation once a year to take a huge match at mania is one of my biggest pet peeves in the business. So uh-huh. uh, I'm doing away with that one. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Cena 2013 uh, is number three for me. Um, first of all, Cena did not need to win a Royal Rumble in 2013, especially, Uh you know, four years later, he's in the same spot as he was in 2013. As far as popularity is concerned, he comes back from a three month hiatus and say, Hey, uh, I'm number one contender. Just put me in a Royal Rumble. You know, I think he could have did the same exact thing in 2013. He snubbed Ryback, you know, who was the runner up of a Uh, win. And he was red hot at that time. You know, Ryback should have won in 2003, uh, 2013. I think it should have been Ryback versus um, uh, Alberto Del Rio. I think Del Rio should have turned heel. It ended up being Del Rio swagger, uh, which was horrible. Uh, but I think Del Rio should have turned heel um, when he won the championship against the Big Show, I believe it was. Um, uh, and uh, Turning heel and putting, putting Ryback over. And having Ryback win the World Heavyweight Championship that year would have been a much better uh, outcome than him and Swagger. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, they they really screwed up with Ryback. That would have been a great place to uh, really put him over. And, I mean, they if they could have, like, a baby face like that now, they'd, you know, be killing for it, you know, to have him on SmackDown as a top guy. Had they exactly. not married in the past few years. Yeah, yeah. All right, number two. Uh, number two, going back uh, just a little bit further, 2015, Roman Reigns. That uh, that was quite the night. Um, <laughs> I, 
out of, uh, you know, my many years of watching WWE, that was near the top of I cannot believe they are doing this uh, when when Brian got eliminated. And uh, it just, there was no other way it was going to end except for with Roman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it came down to Big Show, Kane, yeah. and Roman. Uh, and Rusev. <sighs> Oh yeah! Oh no! Oh, yeah, totally forgot about that. And, and the crowd's yeah. cheering for Rusev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I just uh, it, it, had I not been doing it for you know income, that might have been the point where I've been had to quit watching for a while. Uh, just so <laughs> frustrating to watch. <laughs> I'm a Roman Reigns guy, man. But yeah, it was a, it was pretty much of a dad for <laughs> for Reigns at that time. I I agree. Yeah. It, the Rock got booed, so that was uh, that pretty much <laughs> said it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my number two is uh, Sheamus, 2012. Um, just because uh, you know, there's he won because Jericho basically was predicted to win. I mean, you know, there's there's these arguments with predictability, and I get it. But at the same time, sometimes predictability is really good. Just like when Daniel Bryan won the world title at WrestleMania 30, it was predictable, but it was it was fantastic. It was one of the best moments yeah. in WrestleMania history. And I think if Chris Jericho would have won, I mean, he ended up, uh, you know, he ended up vying for the WWE Championship with CM Punk. So, I mean, he, he had a title match at WrestleMania anyways. And the same as wasted, you know, in the very beginning of the World Heavyweight Championship of uh, quote-unquote eight seconds against Daniel Bryan. So he wasted that Royal Rumble win. Uh, Jericho should have won. Feud against CM Punk. I uh, have been a better reason to do that. And then just, it was a horrible decision to switch it up like that. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, the whole storyline building up to that was set for Jericho to win. And it's one of those yep. things like if he won, people weren't going to be mad about it because, Right. Most hardcore fans uh, are generally on Jericho's side. It made good storyline sense. Uh, would have led to a better encounter with Punk. Uh, and yeah, and Sheamus was just never a good number two babyface in the company. Mm-hmm. Like that was just never going to work out. Uh, nope. So yeah, total total misfire on that one. Yeah. All right, here with the drum roll. Here we go for your number one. I'm going to have to take one. Go natural drum roll. Uh, Batista, 2014. The worst for ever. The sake, for, for, for lack of time, uh, I that was my number one as well. <laughs> I think that was pretty, uh, unanimous. Yeah. Uh, just oh, such a horrible decision. Uh, we're, we're talking about the predictability factor. I think this was the opposite of uh, that. This is predictable, but but nobody wanted it to happen, and it happened, and uh, mm-hmm. it was absolutely incredibly terrible yeah uh even batista is is like he didn't want to win it he knew it was going to be a disaster uh so credit to him on that uh they could have had a mega star that night and they went with batista yeah speaking of roman reigns he should have won that year instead of the year after um I, that was actually i i would have been done with that yeah i agree yeah that was actually the year he was getting cheered um and and people wanted him to win but yeah Batista was just uh he was just uh, you know I, I I like Batista uh mm-hmm. but you know there was just uh um uh, an article I wrote actually today I think it was or yesterday there yesterday uh about um about just the Goldberg 
Roman Reigns, um, uh, you know, talk. And you know, there was a uh, there was an there was an opportunity. There was the talk that Vince McMahon felt that Batista and Randy Orton would have been the biggest at that at that time. He told his staff and his creative team that Batista and Randy Orton has the potential to be the biggest the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. And uh, wow, wow, I can't believe he thought that, but it's true. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk about talk about uh, talk about old Vinny Mac being senile. I think uh, that's one of those times where he needs to step away from the gorilla position and uh, kind of uh, do some office work and kind of sit home and relax for a little bit. Yeah. But that's why. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Andy, it's been a pleasure, man. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Andrew Sochek, S-O-U-C-E-K, on Twitter. Uh, I'm there. Uh, can I do my cheap book plug? Please do. Uh, I, write, I always uh, write the worst in wrestling. Uh, next week on Amazon, I'll have the 100 reasons why 2016 was wrestling's worst year ever. Uh, I'll be on next week. Check it out. It'll only be a couple bucks, uh, and I'll have fun ranting on wrestling for 100 entries. <laughs> wow. Beautiful stuff, man. It's always, <laughs> always a pleasure to have you, Andy, on the show. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Andy Sochek. Uh, yeah. Check out his uh, check out his work, man. He writes some great work uh, about the worst in wrestling. That's uh, like Eric Bischoff says, controversial creates cash. And uh, Sochek is certainly one who uh, knows how to uh, tap on the the feelings of the fans, and that's uh, that's what makes the money. So, uh, kudos to a- Andy Sochek for uh, successful writing, and uh, uh, best wishes to a man. And uh, he'll certainly be on the show again. Until next time, next week, two hundred and fifty episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, two hundred and fifty episodes. We're gonna have some fun as always. You all have a blessed week. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. Chris Featherstone, Crave Wrestling, signing off. Goodbye.